Hello, this is Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief of Archives of Disease and Childhood. Welcome to this month's Atoms, the highlights from the March issue. We'll start with global health. This is, in fact, a very global health strong issue. And I want to talk a little bit about vitamin A. The history of the vitamin A supplementation studies and the initial excitement of the reduction in measles-related mortality studies in West Africa 25 years ago has been a checkered one. The routine population supplementation from six months to five years of age is now established, but the issue over neonatal supplementation and its effect on infant mortality and morbidity has remained rather stubbornly controversial and unresolved. The trials showing different directions of effect or no effect. The paper we feature this month from the WHO Vitamin A Supplementation Group addresses this in a meta-analysis of the 11 published studies. Pooled analyses showed no effect of early the first two to three days, vitamin A supplementation or mortality either at six months, relative risk of 0.97, and confidence intervals that cross one, or at one year. There were subtle differences in the sub-analyses stratified by region. In South Asia, but not in Africa, where vitamin A deficiency, defined by established prevalence thresholds of low maternal retinol or night blindness, there was a small but significant protective effect. Similar effects were also shown in areas of high infant mortality and early in first six months mortality. The inference from the study is that in those settings where babies are of marginal status, prophylactic supplementation can be helpful. Stunting. Though no parameter gives a full picture Stunting, in other words, suboptimal height for HZ score, or HFAZ, is arguably the most complete marker of chronic undernutrition. Stunting is also proved more resistant to intervention than wasting, which is low weight for height, or thinness, very impassive to short-term rehabilitation. In this issue, Moses and colleagues examined predictors of stunting in a secondary analysis of children admitted with severe acute malnutrition, or SAM, in Kenya, and found that subsequent illness episodes were associated with poorer outcomes. As a group, these compromised children did badly in terms of recovery or catch-up, even weight for age Z scores only protecting from loss of further stunting rather than boosting catch-up. The clear inference from this study is that acute admission is only the tip of the iceberg, which nutritional resuscitation measures cannot alone solve. Antibiotic prophylaxis and mortality. In 2009, secondary analysis cluster randomized control trial of mass prophylaxis against trachoma, the eye disease, with a macrolide antibiotic azithromycin in Ethiopia showed an unexpectedly and extraordinarily 50% lower mortality in the treated children. As chlamydia trachomatis is a non-fatal illness, the mechanisms must have been indirect. These remained unclear at the start of the very large multicenter model study, which was published about a year ago. In this study, a randomized control trial in Niger, Malawi and Tanzania, Children were randomized to azithromycin prophylaxis. Mortality was used as a primary outcome. Pooled results showed a significant reduction, 13% lower mortality in the active limbs, which is much greater in children in Niger, by far the largest subgroup. 
deaths were attributed on, on the basis of verbal autopsy to febrile illnesses, malaria, pneumonia, and gastroenteritis. Our editorial by Barclay this month looks at the implications a year or so on. Though hard not to be excited, public health is complex, and the eagerness to implement similar schemes has to be tempered by two important considerations. The first, with wide-scale antibiotic use of any sort, is the risk of the propagation of resistant strains of bacteria, particularly Staphylococci and Streptococcus pneumoniae, and the creation of problems that the short-term model study could not evaluate. The second is an even larger elephant in the room. Does a quick fix like this distract from problems closer to home, such as simple public health measures like nutrition and hygiene? The acutely unwell child. We all want to believe in early warning scores and their simplicity and ease of administration is undeniably seductive. They're user-friendly with a reasonable inter-observer variation. And for these reasons, their mass integration is easy to understand. In a compelling commentary on the recent EPOC study, which involved more than 1.4 million illness episodes, a randomized controlled trial, the bedside cues, Chapman examined the implications of the findings. The main finding was that there was no effect on mortality in children who were randomized to the cues. Though this was a large study, mortality is so rare in the high-income countries where the study was conducted that even this trial was probably underpowered to show any subtle differences. Does this now mean that we look at other systems? Not yet. Administering the pews on a scale like this is not analogous to randomizing a drug. For human and cultural facets to behavior changes like this, and though validated, this does not mean that smooth adoption necessarily follows. In addition, there was some evidence that the pews detected early deterioration, so there are other facets to this still evolving science. Resuscitation. McLeod and colleagues revisit another old chestnut, inotropes and sepsis. Sepsis in children, unlike in adults, is largely cold sepsis, characterized by vasoconstriction, high vascular resistance, low cardiac output, and a prolonged capillary refill time. The authors ask in their Archimedes, which are the two most widely used vasopressors, epinephrine and dopamine, is better, to find that the former is more physiologically complete. I'll end with monoclonal antibody treatment. MAB, or monoclonal antibody treatment, directed at pro-inflammatory cytokines, has revolutionized treatment in chronic childhood diseases ranging from Crohn's to rheumatoid arthritis. Until now, doses have been largely weight-based and fixed. And though this approach works well at the outset, there's a problem. These agents are immunogenic and all generate antibodies which attenuate their efficacy. Drug level monitoring is therefore recommended, as well as antibody surveillance. And two papers and an editorial describe this evolving field in detail. Thank you for listening. To see the whole latest issue, visit our website on adc.bmj.com.